This is Who Wore What When, a podcast where we examine the lives of historical figures and what clothing they wore in the most significant moments of their lives. My name is Maggie Latham, and I'd like to preface this by saying I am not a historian. I'm a theatrical stage manager with a BFA in theater arts and a very strong interest in the history of clothing. Thanks to David Henderson, whose class I took when I was an undergraduate. His class is called The History of Clothing, and with his blessing, we made this podcast. So this series comes from David, of course, who taught this class for me, and then I was his TA, and then I was his replacements TA um, when he took his sabbatical. And I've wanted to teach this class for a long time since I fell in love with it, and I just posted something on Instagram about it, and people seemed interested, and Dabney, my lovely producer. Hey, that's me. She said that she would produce it, and uh, she's very good at organizing things, so we got her done. But today we're going to be talking about a basic introduction to the history of clothing, addressing why we started wearing clothes, what we know about the oldest clothing, and why fashion changes through time, and what that means for us today. So no one really knows why we started wearing clothes. Most people originally thought that it was protection from the elements as we wear clothing now, like raincoats and things like that, but we mostly evolved in warm climates, so that doesn't really apply to the reasons for us wearing these clothes. And, you know, historians say that the natives of the Himalayas went barefoot and native South Americans at the tip of Tierra del Fuego were discovered naked, and uh, it's very cold in those places. So, you know, if those people weren't wearing clothes, then why did we start wearing clothes in the first place? One of the biggest reasons why is for decoration, um, is what most historians believe. So one of the biggest reasons why we think we wore clothes to begin with is for decoration, because most ancient clothing is highly decorated, and jewelry and beads are some of the oldest items of clothing, if you want to call it that, that we've found. I say we as though I've discovered them myself, but I did not. But lots of ancient statues and figurines are depicted wearing jewelry and decoration um, and body paint and things like that. It seems for the most part that utility and protection was a secondary feature. It just happens to be super helpful. Plus, society tends to change its mind pretty quickly about what's decent and indecent. So, you know, you can go to the beach wearing a bikini, but if you go outside wearing underwear, then that's considered indecent. Also, the standards of beauty change pretty quickly through time. Um, Some examples of this are during the Renaissance, women would shave their hairlines back and shave their eyebrows off because that was the good look of the time. At some points in history, larger people were more attractive because they appeared to be more well-fed. And during times of lice, people would shave their pubic hairs and instead wear a merkin, which is a little wig made of pubic hairs. And anyone who's listening to this who's ever been in one of my classes that I've TA'd for knows how much I love the merkin. Um, But all of this is based on different reasons for hygiene and, and beliefs at the time. So, Some historians split the reasons for us beginning to wear clothing into four major theories. The first theory is the modesty theory. We wear clothing to conceal our genitals for shame, modesty, or embarrassment. And the second theory is the immodesty theory, popularized by Westermark and Havelock Ellis. 
and they say that clothing was originally designed to emphasize sexual organs and concealment increased interest. The third reason is the adornment theory uh, to attract platonic attention and just appear powerful and beautiful. And of course, the fourth one is the utility protection theory, obviously to protect from the elements. James Laver, a fashion historian, created three principles for wearing clothing. They are the hierarchical principle, dressing to indicate someone's position or hierarchy in society. The utility principle, dressing for warmth and comfort again. And the seduction principle, dressing to attract the opposite sex. So these all kind of connect with the four major theories that all historians come up with. He just put kind of a different name on them. And it's thought that women use seduction more than men and men use hierarchy more than women. But that's just just his thought. Um, some consider it to be a little bit sexist, but I won't make any judgments. So some of the oldest clothing that we know of was believed to originate between 500,000 and 100,000 BC. And it was normally animal hides, sometimes tied on with little strips of hide like belts. This was mostly due to the Ice Age. People started wearing this type of clothing that wasn't just purely for adornment because it got colder. In 40,000 BC, people began to punch holes in the skins and furs to lace them together. And the earliest bone needle dates back to 30,000 BC. In 30,000 BC, pigments like ochre, hematite, and charcoal are used to color cave paintings, and they're probably used to decorate bodies as well. We all know that uh, Egyptians liked to use charcoal to color their eyes, and this is probably when it began. In 10,000 BC, we find the earliest surviving shoes. There were tree bark sandals found in a cave in Oregon. And also in 10,000 BC, the first of the four natural fabrics, wool, it begins to be spun into cloth. And sheep are being bred for soft wool as opposed to fur. So from 7,500 to 5,700 BC, uh, we see textiles being dyed for the first time. This is evidenced by traces of red dye found at Chatelhuyk, uh, southern Anatolia in Turkey. Then we see from 5,000 to 3,600 BC, the second natural fabric coming into use. Flax is being spun into linen, starting in Egypt. Um, this gained a lot of popularity in Rome because they used it for making underwear. And that's why, to this day, the term linen is used uh, synonymously with bedclothes. Starting in 5,000 BC, we see our third natural fabric, our favorite fabric, cotton, being spun into yarn, and this increases in popularity around 400 BC when cotton fields are planted in India on a massive scale. Then in 3500 BC, uh, we get our fourth natural fabric, our fourth and final natural fabric. Um, the Chinese learned to manufacture silk from silkworms. And then in 3300 BC, we get fibulae, which are metal brooches or pins that are invented to replace straight wooden pins to close garments together. So now let's talk a little bit about how fashion cycles and, and how things change and why things change. Um, so clothes from the distant past often look pretty modern or familiar to us, and that's because styles are revived and reinterpreted continuously and modern designers constantly borrow from the past, all the time you'll see like a New York fashion show and all these people, it looks like they're wearing something that you could see someone from 
1750 wearing. Um, and that's because they see these art pieces and, and things from the past and they, they use it in the designs that they're doing today. Fashions tend not to change for comfort or utility, but more for class struggle and distinction between classes. So if you wear the right thing, you're in the right class. There are some people in, throughout history, like we'll talk about next week a little bit when we talk about Marie Antoinette, who make very strong choices and people like what they do and they follow what they're doing um, because they are important enough people to make a difference. Um, and sometimes through history, uh, fashion has been governed uh, by different laws about who can wear what, um, what colors someone can wear, what types of clothing people can wear. And ideas of what's masculine and feminine has changed frequently throughout history. Fashion can also change because of broad social and political events, specific events and people like we talked about just a second ago, and sometimes just no apparent reason. Fashion historian James Laver, who we mentioned previously, uh, came up with Laver's Law, which was an attempt to compress the cycle of fashion change and attitude towards style or period into a simple timeline. His law is as follows. A fashion that is 10 years before its time is considered indecent. Five years before its time, it's shameless. One year before its time, it's outré or daring. And when it's the current fashion, it's smart. One year after, it's dowdy. 10 years after, it's hideous. 20 years after, ridiculous. 30 years after, amusing. 50 years after, quaint. 70 years after, charming. 100 years after, romantic, and 150 years after, it's considered beautiful. These rules have somewhat condensed with the increase in popularity of vintage clothing. Think about it nowadays, people are wearing clothing from the 90s, and while it hasn't been 100 or 150 years, it's still considered fashionable and something that's cool that people can wear. And nothing is new anymore. We keep recycling old fashions ever since, you know, we hit the 21st century. We're not inventing new things anymore because we're not, we don't need to. And throughout history, fashion tends to start very subtly, go to some insane extreme, and then go back the complete opposite direction. Uh, we'll see that a lot uh, in the mid 19th and 20th centuries because things, things can get pretty wild, but it's always fun, it's always a good time. This can also be seen in the uh, 80s and 90s where you go extremely crazy and then you go all the way to grunge, from bright colors to blacks. Cindy Lauper and Madonna to Kurt Cobain. So in conclusion, for the most part, fashion changes based on ideas of beauty and those standards and not functionality. We don't really know why we started wearing clothes but you know what? They sure do come in handy for many, many reasons now. Thank you so much for listening to Who Wore What When. Tune in next week when we talk about one of the foremost icons of fashion history, Miss Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. She didn't say that. It's all a lie. Everything you know is a lie. Oh, wow. I'm excited to learn. Oh, it's fun. Who Wore What When is researched and written by me, Maggie Latham. It's edited and produced by the wonderful Dabney Rao. And it was inspired by David Henderson's History of Clothing course at Hofstra University. This episode was sponsored by our hopes, dreams, and willpower. 
Some of the research for this episode came from Fashion, the Definitive History of Costume and Style by the Smithsonian Institution, published by Dorling Kindersley Limited, and from works by English author, critic, art historian, and museum curator James Labor. Special thanks to Katie McNeil, David Henderson, who gave us his blessing to make this podcast, everyone who voted on my Instagram poll that they would listen to this podcast, and Brian, the man who sold us this secondhand microphone. Did you enjoy this episode? Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Only five stars, please. And tell your friends to listen. Tell your enemies to listen. We don't care. We want listeners. And check us out on Instagram at who wore what when pod. Thanks for listening. Absolutely closing the episode with that's what a hamburger's all about. <laughs>